Let's go. Hello, and welcome to Sustain Open Source Design. Is it Sustain Our Design? No, it's Sustain Open Source Design. Yes, yes. Sustain Open Source Design. SOS. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to SOS Design, Sustain Open Source Design, a series of conversations around open source, creativity, design, and anything that relates with them and how we can weave them in into one single conversation. So today we have a really special guest with us, Thais Lesa, singing in from Vancouver, BC in Canada. Thais is a, a product design lead at Mozilla. And yeah, welcome Thais, how are you today? I'm great, thank you. Thank you for having me here. Cool, and we have now three panelists, myself, Memo Esparza, Signing in from Guadalajara, Mexico. We have also Richard Lee Tower. Hello, Richard. Hola, how's it going? And Ariel Fox. Hello, everyone. Cool. So, yeah, we're really excited to have you, Thais, focusing the discussion today on inclusion in the design sphere for immigrants and newcomers and all that kind of stuff. So, please, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what's important to you on your work? So yeah, my name is Thais. I was born and raised in Brazil and I lived there for around 28 years. When I decided to come to Canada, I was working in the advertising industry back in Brazil. And I came to here just to study English and then life happened and I stayed a little longer and I now is my husband. At that time, it was my boyfriend. <laughs> and I stayed, he was the big part of why I decided to stay here. And I thought also for my career, it would be good to work in Canada. The tech industry was bigger in Canada than back home. So I decided to stay a little bit longer and I stay and stay. And then I decided to immigrate. So I completely applied for my permanent residency. And I came to work in Canada. At the beginning, I was working with whatever job was available in Canada, not exactly in my field. But I just needed the income. So I was working in agencies that would bring students from Brazil to Canada, international students. But then I found my way in the design area again, which was my focus. And yeah, I think what matters to me, I think I care a lot about inclusion and diversity and make people feel welcome and make sure that people fit into the environment, and I'm very sensitive to that. Like I pay attention to the things uh, when I participate in discussions to see if everybody's having opportunity to talk, something that I care a lot about. Let me know a little bit more about what you do on Mozilla, just to know like what kind of teams do you lead, what kind of projects you work on? Yes, definitely. So I work at the Pocket team inside the Mozilla Corporation. Before I was working at Mozilla Foundation for four years. And I changed to Mozilla Corporation. I worked there for six, seven months before going to Parental Lead. And I working as a product design lead for the Pocket Firefox integration. So if you open your Firefox browser, you have a Pocket button there on top. You can save articles to Pocket. So whatever thing that interests you on the internet, you can save in your Pocket. So you have your own corner of the internet that you curate 
And also the Pocket team offers some customized content curated for you. So it's high quality content. We focus on content that are not just news, like what's in the moment, but like important deep contents that is more, I guess this is the word, a thing for all. Like, so my focus that is in this Pocket Firefox integration, not only that button there, but also once you open a new tab, you see Pocket content uh, in the new tab of the Firefox browser. This is responsibility of my team too. And we try to figure out all the opportunities we can have to explore this integration between good content offered by Pocket and the Firefox browser. I feel like Pocket's a really excellent feature. It's been around for a while and it's gone through a lot of iterations. I don't currently use it, so I'm just going to go ahead and say that. I'm sorry. I wish I could, but the idea of storing stuff for later just makes you feel like I'll have another job to do later. But what I'm curious about is how did you end up on the Pocket team? And how do you feel like that's the best place for your work right now, for your impact at the Mozilla Corporation? So I was in the, as I mentioned, Mozilla Foundation before, and I was always like, I really, a huge fan of Firefox. Things start working at Mozilla. I always use Firefox in my day-to-day back in Brazil because I trust the browser. I trust like them with my information in terms of privacy. I know that it's a company I can trust even before things show up like companies getting your data and exploiting your data and like selling your data before even that was the news thing. I was aware of this and I was concerned about it. So I always liked Firefox. So I always liked in Mozilla Foundation, look at the Firefox and then just position at Pocket open. And uh, I decided to apply because I'm also a fan of Pocket. Even when I was back in Brazil, before Mozilla acquired Pocket was, I think it was read it later. And then I was a fan of Pocket back home and I used Pocket. So when I saw this position, I was like, yeah, this is the right fit. Like this is two companies that I like, but Mozilla acquired Pocket, right? So I think that's what I wanted to do. And I also was very concerned about like misinformation. And I know that like Pocket's curated by humans. It's not just algorithms. So uh, people were reading the articles and make sure that they are genuine, legitimate articles and their goal is to make sure people have the access to the right information. So I'm really excited about this topic too, like especially nowadays when we have so many different news sources and so much like misinformation and disinformation. I think to me, it was very exciting space to work. Can you tell a little bit about how you grew as a designer and on a parallelly to how you grew as a newcomer in a country like Canada coming from Brazil? Like how these two, you know, growing paths weave together, you know, because I'm sure there's a strong relationship between one and, and another. So when I came to Canada, I was already in the design field back home, but I was more like a print designer and I started doing some like Twitter skins. Yes, I'm that old. I was doing just skins for Twitter for advertising company. So I was interested in the digital side of things. So when I came to Canada, I decided like, this is what I want to do. Like, I will be brave. Like I'm in a new country. I will do something different. So like I still design because my heart is in design. I did a marketing course when I first arrived here and I saw it wasn't for me. Like I am a designer and I love design. Like what excites me, what makes my eyes bright, like this design. So I wanted to do that. And then I came here and I was like, okay, there's an opportunity to change more to digital design. And it's when I started doing the Vancouver Film School. 
And at that time I couldn't work. I just had to study for a year. I didn't have the permit to work. So I had to really dedicate myself to that course. Some things were very like not new to me because I was in the industry for a while. So it was easy for me. Photoshop classes, illustrator classes are very easy. But some other things were new about how to do the wireframe. And I started developing my skills as a more like, a, I really love doing user interviews, user testing as a UX designer. And at the same time, I was developing like my English here. I took English classes in Brazil, but here was the first time that I would like be like 24 seven living in English. So going to the drugstore, trying to figure out how to buy the right medicine or going to the grocery, those foods, do people understand what I say? They ask if I want bags and stuff. Like I'm understanding. So I was trying to also develop my identity like as an English speaker. And I felt that I couldn't be myself. When I started dating my husband, I was like, oh, I don't think you know me because I not speaking Portuguese. I am funnier in Portuguese, I swear. <laughs> I was like, I do jokes in Portuguese that people think it's funny, you know? And it's like, it took me a while to find, I found that my English identity and my Brazilian identity were different. And I was like, people don't really don't know me. Even at the Vancouver Film School, I was like, I don't know, how can I make myself? more like myself, like more genuine, bring like, and it took me a while until I felt comfortable with the language and thinking in English and expressing myself in English instead of thinking in Portuguese and translating my mind and then speaking English and doesn't sound the same. What you described is something that I have done in a different way, which is often we in the queer community call it masking or like, you know, in a lot of ways we call it those kinds of things. And it's kind of when we might actually in a certain way to kind of mask queerness. So I can somewhat relate to playing two different kinds of identities. But I'm really curious to hear more about what it was like for you, as well as the team at Mozilla, the openness and open source space generally around inclusion across borders, across identities, and whether you found that anything was unique in that space of openness that you found around identity and inclusion? So before working at Mozilla, I worked in another tech company and I didn't feel I fit there. And first I thought it was because I'm from Brazil. Like I have like it's almost an anthropology study. Like I will watch them and observe how people are and how they speak. And I'll try to do the same. So I emulate the same. So I will fit. I think it's like we have this need to fit. It's human, like from the tribes, like we want to fit, we want to fit in, we want to belong. So I observed people and I tried to fit in to belong, but I didn't. I felt like I would come home sometimes from this tech work really sad because I was like, I don't think I'll never fit here. It's not for me. And I really want to work in a place like that. So when I applied for Mozilla and I started, the first thing my manager said once I got the job offer was that my contributions would be very welcome there, my perspective, because I come from another place. I, come from, I was born and raised in another country. And that made me so happy. It's like suddenly I was like, oh, somebody is seeing me from what I am like. Who's valuing my contributions the way I am. I am just like, okay, just mix between Brazil and Canada, right? So that really made me want to work there. 
And once I start working there and I start to meeting my teammates and doing Zoom calls like at Mozilla Foundation and talking to the community, like the open source, like community, going like to GitHub, listening to people talking about the design we did on the website and giving feedback. I felt at home. I felt finally a place that I fit in and I felt so happy. Everybody was always very welcoming. Everybody would like during the meetings at Mozilla Foundation, we had just amazing practice like silence, etherpadding. We would used to use etherpad. So like when we are in a meeting and we want to contribute, everybody can type what they think and like about the project and their ideas in the etherpad. So that gives equal voice to everybody. People who are extroverts, people who are introverts, they can just type their contributions. And if English is not their first language, I felt sometimes I could develop my ideas better if I was typing. I could think better so I don't have to answer right away. I don't have to scream to be heard. So I think those practices are built in, I felt, in the open source community. And at Mozilla, I felt that people were really respectful and I felt my contributions were valued. My voice was valued. Yeah, I felt that I belonged there. I felt like I was there for four years. And then still when I was looking for something else, I was looking still inside Mozilla because I wanted to be there. So I really love the community and I love helping others as well. So if I'm in a meeting and I see a person is very quiet and I was like, how can I bring them into the conversation, make sure they are heard because they matter, right? I think one thing that I want to just respond to quickly there that came through in what you were saying is just how important community is within the spaces that we work, whether that's contribution in open source that's volunteer or whether we get paid to do it, however it shakes out. And how valuable that healthy community is to great open source software tools, because you're able to bring your most valued self to that tool and you're able to do the best work in that space. And I think that it's such an undervalued part of open source in a lot of ways or tool building in a lot of ways. So thank you. Yeah, definitely. I felt like at the beginning, I wanted to fit in and to be valued by mimicking the behavior of others. But the real value came, like people start giving positive feedback when I started being myself. So when I started being not feeling bad for asking a question, like, I'm sorry, this is a silly question, but like, I have this question. And people say, oh, that was a question that was in my mind. I thought that was to me just like, maybe it's a silly question. It's an English thing that I'm not understanding, but my colleagues didn't understand well and they were like native speakers. So it's like raising my hand and asking questions where the thing is a value because, okay, I'm also had the same question I didn't want to ask. So, and when I was in the meetings and I was really trying to explain my ideas and like presentations and really like breaking down my design concepts in small chunks to make the presentation interesting and engaging, like, but to me, it was more a way to make things simple to me so I could explain to others. But for other people on the other end, that was very easy for me to understand your process and it was very straightforward. The people always valued me and said I was a good presenter. And I was like, it's just, I think, because of my insecurity of like, oh, I have to present in a very easy way. So it's like, I won't mess it up. But actually that was a feature, it was not a bug. So all the things that I thought was like, it's a bug, it's wrong on me. Like 
the language or not understanding or having to ask too many questions. Actually, was seen as a feature for the other side, my native speaker friends. So I think that was really eye-opening to me when I felt like, oh, finally, I can be myself and be respected for it and teach others and also learn from others like it's a flow. One of the things that's really coming across for me is the experience of otherness. I've lived a lot of my life in places where I've been othered. Majority of my teenage years, I was not evangelical Christian and I did not get along with my community. Majority of my early 20s, I was living abroad. And an American living abroad is not the same as an American living in America. I was always someone who was kind of an expat, kind of not responsible for what's going on in the world, kind of was responsible for what's going on in the world. Hard to say where I fit. Open source really helps because it allows me to have a community where it's sort of flat in very particular ways and very not flat in other ways, which is really interesting. And as I've grown older, I've thought a lot more about how being othered and having to care about how I fit in improved my emotional ability to understand what's going on around me and therefore improved my ability to collaborate, which also benefits in open source because it's easier to see, okay, I need to fit in here. Maybe that person does. And I think it's the same in design. I think in design, we're often thinking about how do we make the user feel good? How do we make our colleagues understand the user's needs. And I'm curious whether you've had the same thoughts. I know you've talked a lot about language being a huge vector for identity. It's a massive facet of who we are. But I wonder if you think that being a good designer has come from your feeling of needing to fit in and whether that started before you were 28 and not just afterwards. Because a lot of the conversation you've talked about so far has been about since you moved, but you were already a full-grown adult before that happened. So I'm just really curious where you think being a designer has been something that you've like had to become in some way because of who you are. Yeah, I think even like before that, when I was like, I started working as a designer when I was finishing the university, I could study and work back in Brazil. So I always had to face, I think as a designer, how do I represent the audience's voice. In that time, we wouldn't call it user so much, but the audience would have the target audience of advertising campaigns. So how do I represent them inside the company? Because we have also the business goals. We have to achieve those targets. We have to get those numbers, but we also have to respect our target audience, achieve our goals with the target audience. So I remember one day back in Brazil, like a long time ago, we did this initiative with Sunreal, who does like the brand for Hello Kitty. And I was like, how can we include all these fans? There are lots of like young girls, there were fans. Like, there's young girls and boys as well, mostly girls. And they were like, so fan of Hello Kitty and like, and all the family, the Hello Kitty family. And we do did an art exhibition with all the Sunreal things. And I was like, how do we bring them in? They are important too. And at that time, toy art was a huge thing. So I was like, why don't you send like a empty toy art to be painted? So they participated in the exhibition themselves. We sent to all those bloggers, all those girls, and we sent to them and they can do that art, each one of them. And we can bring that, therefore it's the exhibition. Like, so it's not just the artistic space, just elitist, right? Just the big artists are there. Like I wanted them there too. And that was approved like from the advertising agents. And then they came like 20, 30 of those little dolls all painted by the community. All the 
people like the bloggers and the blog was huge for word of mouth for the brand. And we received letters, people saying, thank you for letting me do that. And they felt inspired. So I think to me, like that experience, like that in Brazil, like really shaped my love for listening to people and make them fit in. So making all those girls fit into this art space, how can we do more of that? And I think it's so important as a designer, we have so many variables to consider. So we have the business goals at Pocket. We have like published different publishers and, and we have to consider their needs together with our business goals, together with the user's goals in a way that the news don't feel overwhelming to them or the way that news feels like real and truth to their reality. So there are all these different parts that we have to consider as a designer and think this voice always be the advocate for our users inside the company. And sometimes that's hard because it gets tiring because you're like, I want as a user, they want to sometimes people, their goals are different or they care more about the profit only or about not that that happens at Mozilla, but in design in general, I face that sometimes the user voice is not that valued, but I find that Mozilla like people care about that. And it's like, you really bring that into the conversation and the center of the conversation, but always have to consider all those other aspects. Does that answer your question? It does a, a tiny bit. I think I was more interested in the emotional experience you have. You have wonderful personality. I love how you talk about how much you care, but I'm interested in seeing whether being welcoming and caring about others and knowing how to read a room and how to read the users and how to read everything is an intrinsic part of being a designer and open source. It's necessary, but also it's the place where you blossom the most. I'm just curious on your thoughts on that. I do think that's very important for a designer to know how to read the room and to understand how people feel their emotions. For sure, that my own personal experiences make me more sensitive when I talk to users, like when I do user interviews, like when I can do a Zoom interview, like face to face, like do they really mean what they are saying, the way they behave? Especially if I'm in person with them, it's way easier to read those cues. Like in video, it's a little bit more challenging. But I think I'm very sensitive to track like, okay, they, I don't think they made that. I think they meant something else. And I try to go explore that path a little bit more just because I feel that I'm super sensitive of that. Like sometimes they just want to please me because I am here in a power position in which I'm interviewing this person to give me feedback. So they maybe just, trying just to make me happy say, oh, I love this design that you did for Mozilla. It's like, it's not what I want to hear. I want to hear an honest feedback. So sometimes they just want to fit in or they just want to be accepted. So I think like I became very sensitive to that. And I, I think I became a better designer because of my own personal experience, for sure. Okay, Thaisa, something that has been really resonating on my side at least because I feel really connected to that. It's like the community value on your growth, like how you started to be more brave. I'm going to use that word to be yourself because a lot of people always struggle to be yourselves. We also want to be like to imitate another person that we admire or to imitate, you know, some folks to be accepted, to fit in, as you say, and I, I really resonate with that. So I want to ask you now that you're a leader on your specific workspace, 
and specifically speaking about open source, how do you think we can encourage people to be more like themselves? Like how can we foster an environment that encourages you to be yourself? Because I think that's really hard. So yeah, I just wanted to know your thoughts on, on that. I feel that like nowadays there's a huge movement, I would say, like or lots of companies trying to do more diversity and inclusion is something that everybody thinks that's not only the right thing to do, but it's good for business. So I think it's very clear for everybody. And I think it's good for designers to take the opportunity to think like, if I am the same and think the same as everybody else, which value can I bring to my team? So I think for me, at least it was an encouragement and a reminder to try to be different, to come from my different perspective, because that would help the project. So I tried thinking this way instead of like, oh no, I'm not going to ask this question or I'm not going to do this. Like, I think it's important and I would advise other people who are immigrants or people who come from that are not immigrants, but have different perspectives of life. And I think it's important to bring yourself and your questions to the table. And they are super valid because this way the product or the service you are working on will definitely be improved because certainly there are other people who think like you and your perspective is valued. So I would encourage people just like, I think we are in a good moment. This is valued. And I think we should take advantage of that and be ourselves and ask the questions we have in our mind without being afraid. You're speaking on the case where like you say something and then you feel that resonates with the other person and then start building a connection. And uh, just as a follow-up question, how will you experience like building together that when you don't necessarily ask the other person, like when there's a difference in opinions, you still can build together something. And most of the times in my experience that something is even more valuable when more perspective, even if they're different, are taken into account. So how we can like bridge this last part of the conversation with how we can encourage others to be themselves with a difference of opinions. I think that's a little bit harder. I do find like, as a designer, I find like part of my job is to design the thing. This is, but it is this little part, the bigger parts, like how to convince all this is the right thing to do, <laughs> right? So this is the big parts, all those conversations I have to have. It doesn't matter. I can do a beautiful, amazing design. And then, but out there, then like, if I can convince my coworkers, that's the right idea. I just wasted my time because we cannot put the idea out there. So I always like to bring everybody in from the start. This is the plan, like this is the audience. I try to bring audience insights. This is what the audience thinks. This is some data we got from our users. And then let's build that together. My role is more a facilitator of the conversation. We'll design that together. I'll never design things in a vacuum. I never liked doing that. In advertising agencies from my background, it was how it was done in the past. Just let us do our magic and we'll deliver some beautiful two options for you. But I don't believe that. Like nowadays it's so outdated. I think we have to build things together. So I think it's very important when people have conflicting opinions, different I think that helps for people to be on the same page if we share the research that was done before that and we explain what was done and why it was done. And then people can come with different ideas and different perspectives. But you always ask, can you 
back it up. Like, why do you want to do that? Why it's the best for the users or the community instead of just my personal opinion or it's a style that I like, right? So always try to frame from the audience perspective. But one thing that you mentioned, Memo, that really resonates with me, I remember like feeling frustrated when I had to present an idea and it's in another language that is not mine. And I was like, and a person who is way more fluent in English than I am would like beautifully say that argument well constructed. And I would just like, I can't keep arguing anymore. I would just get tired. I still feel like this idea, it's a better way to go this direction, but I can't. It's too tiring. Like the person even almost convinced me they are right <laughs> because of the way they phrase things. And I was like, I would get frustrated and give up. So I just picked my battles. Okay, if it's something that I really care about that is really important, I will try to convince them and get other people on board and see what they think also. So ideas and like, what do you think? And get more data and do wireframes and do drawings and try to explain. I think sometimes my lack of like, oh, I can't argument that well. So I use my strength as a designer to make my argument better. So by saying them mockups, like this is what I think, this is the flow as a user. And I put myself as a, my user codes, like this is how I think and walk them through a video, for instance, as a user. And usually in this way, I can convince people of things that I couldn't sometimes in a conversation, an argument. So I try to use my designer superpower to convince people when we have different opinions. Or I'm always, always open also to change my mind. If people give a strong enough argument and it's like, I think that's the value of collaboration. I think conflicts are important for collaboration as long as everybody's respectful and like have different ideas, arguments is good. So. I think that's a good lesson that I learned as a designer, like to use my design superpower to win arguments by drawing instead of talking. Yeah. I think that there are some really interesting things that you're talking about, the tiredness that can be placed upon people that are changing themselves in certain ways or just have to kind of embody something else in order to participate. And I, I hear that. And I also hear about part of designers role within open source is about breaking down this kind of homogenous space that could be very just developer kind of oriented. And some of the power that designers have, the collaborative power that designers have is being able to bring that diversity, break up that homogenous nature of a developer centered tool in order to have better conversations or better arguments, better disagreements and guide them really well to make a better tool. So I can hear loads of really awesome things about designers and open source from what you're saying. But I want to go back to the Hello Kitty because when you were talking about that, I thought what a fantastic project for how to express creativity. And then I thought oh, I don't ever get to express my creativity in open source. Open source is really like, eh, there's a UI or there's a command line or there's a... And I started to go, where's the expression of creativity in open source? And as you were talking about participating as a designer in open source, I started to realize that the expression creativity part for designers in open source is not necessarily the object that you decorate, 
it's about the role that you play in open source and the conversations that you facilitate is where the creative expression comes in. You took me on that journey as you were told the story about Hello Kitty through then your experiences existing as this conduit, this sort of focus for these conversations in the space. So I'd like to thank you for taking on that, that journey. Thank you. That's all nice. <laughs> that's all nice to hear. <laughs> I think that's so interesting because, yeah, as you said, like the thing that I feel most rewarded is when I do a project together with my team that we all collaborated. It doesn't matter that I did that final UI. If they want to send the final UI to a visual designers, that it's like just focus on visual and can do that way more beautiful. I don't mind. I do want the project feel that we all contribute to that and is valued by our audience. So I think to me, the rewarding part is actually how can we make that happen as a designer with this team? How we can optimize the scene to make sure like we can deliver and care for our users. So yeah, thanks for saying that. That was very, I think that I never a connection that I didn't do. And as you said, I was like, oh yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that perspective. I have two final questions. One of them is that you mentioned being tired earlier and picking your battles, which I think are really good because you can't be yourself all the time. You will get exhausted. So I'm curious what tools you have in your toolbox for finding energy when it's gone, because you must have a lot. So I'm just curious, like, what do you use when you feel like, oh, this conflict is really bad versus, oh, this conflict is great. How do you make that switch? I think one thing that works for me is not keep playing the conflict in my mind over and over and over again. What I could have done, what I could have said those is like, okay, step away from the computer. Like that's the first step, breathe, go for a walk. If I can get some like air, that would be good just to think about we are in the zone calls and in this environment at home now, working from home so much, right? It's very easy to be overwhelmed. Just do some breathing exercise. Either hop in a bike for 10 minutes, do some exercise or endorphins to just clear my mind or go for a walk in the fresh air. That really helps. And I try to think from the other person's perspective. So it's not the person is being mean or they don't like me or they try not to take that personally, but why we may have just conflict. What are our differences like coming from? I want this, this person want that. So how can we find a common ground? For sure, there's a common ground. I think when you have a discussion with a person, an argument, we both want the best for the project. I assume that's what we want. We wanted the best thing for the projects, but we're just coming from different places. So how can we find this common ground? And then we can work together. But I do think that breathing, taking a huge breath and like letting go. It's a good one. I have a toddler too. So I'm constantly frustrated by my father saying, I don't want to do that. And she can, I cannot argue with her or convince her rationally. So I think I've just got better at that by managing a little kid. <laughs> the ultimate user. Excellent. Thank you so much. Tais, you are available on Twitter at T-A-I-S-L-E-S-S-A, Tais Lessa. Two S's in Lessa. You also have a website, tieslessa.com, where you have some wireframes and designs up. Also, anyone can use Pocket and they're seeing your work in the world, which is excellent. Where can people follow you and the things that you're most excited about besides those places? Or are those the best places to really tag along and learn about how you see the world and design and open source? I think those are the best places for now. Even Twitter, I'm not very present. 
But I do write some medium articles. I do have some medium articles in the, I think it's UX Collective. But yeah, I do have some articles there. I can send you the link. I would like to write more because I think writing makes me feel more confident in English too. So I would like to write more, but unfortunately I don't have enough time as a parent for now. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Cool. I think that we're ready for our final stage before wrapping up. It's a section where we display other projects that we think they deserve some attention. So starting off with that, Richard, do you want to show us your spotlight of today? My spotlight today, as usual, is not an open source project or person or whatever. It is Eke Romani, E-C-C-E Romani. Eke Romani is how I learned Latin. And I was recently teaching Latin today. I'm now a teacher in my spare time to a high school student. And we were reading the letters of Seneca. And I was once again enthralled by translation as the best way to interface with really good work. Because the amount of time you put into every sentence is the amount of just stuff you get out of it. So the slower we go in class, the happier I am. So Eke Romani helped me learn that other languages are the best. So thank you that book. Cool. Ariel, do you want to show us your spotlight today? I've been doing a lot of grown-up adult things lately, and my boss slash friend started a repository a number of years ago called Adulting is Hard, with such issues that you can contribute to as mortgages. What are they? Tips and tricks for helping your partner's credit, international banking, speed dating, do's and don'ts. Loads of different issues in there that everyone can contribute to about just being an adult and having to do all the things that you have to do as an adult. So I enjoyed very much reading through that repository and potentially contributing in the future. Cool. My spotlight of today is a video chat app. It's called Chatmosphere. And it's a great project. I just had a conversation with one of the founders. I'd love to see more on that space because I feel like solutions on uh, video chat and video messaging are very limited because, you know, we use video chat for a lot of stuff. And uh, yeah, just wanted to showcase, showcase that. Well, do you want to show us your spotlight for today? The one that Ariel mentioned about adulting is a power safe mode. This is a Discord community created by the designer, famous designer, Jessica Hish. And it's a great community for parents who have little kids. So according to her, we are not, our creative flame didn't get extinguished when, once we had kids. We just don't have enough time now. So just let that creativity should be inside of you a little bit, burning low. But once your kids grow up, your creativity will go back. You can have time for all those side projects. You have time to do all the things you want in your life. Just with kids is a little bit challenging. Your day is shorter. You have more obligations to do. So this power save mode, there are lots of great tips for parents like hacks on productivity and family apps to manage your family life more efficiently. So you have more time to focus on your creative work that is no child related. So I highly recommend this community for parents, especially parents of little kids. So with that, we end up a conversation today with Thais. Thais, thanks a lot. We really valued what you shared today, especially being super heavy identity conversation. So we really value, you know, your honesty and being so upfront about sharing your vulnerabilities. It was really valuable for us. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks everyone. 
and see you next time in another episode of Sustain Open Source Design Podcast.